Welcome to episode 69 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we get to dump out our 10 essentials and spill what's really inside. Then on today's top five list, we take you on our most recent backpacking trip to share the top five things that we loved about it. Then on the Summit Gear Review, see what LifeStraw did to keep your knees clean. Next, we'll show you how to make a primitive chair out of stuff that you can find at the hardware store. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Charles DeLint. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. A few weeks ago, one of our listeners asked us for our 10 essentials list. And we realized that even though we mentioned the 10 essentials quite a bit in podcast episodes, we've never actually explained what the 10 essentials are and what we carry in our quote, 10 essentials. And this is really great timing because actually I've been feeling just in general in my life, this kind of need to get back to basics. And the 10 essentials is a great way to really drill down to what's important in backpacking. What are the 10 most important things in your pack that can really make the difference between a great experience and a really unfavorable outcome? Yeah, or the things that are going to keep you alive in an emergency. So the list that everyone's probably the most familiar with is a list that the mountaineers put together. So this includes a map, a compass, sunglasses and sunscreen, extra clothing, a light, first aid kit, a fire starter, matches, a knife, and some food. Now for those of you math geeks out there, was that 10 items? Yeah, if you put sunglasses and sunscreen together as one item, you come up with 10. And then if you separate fire starter and matches, it makes 10, yeah. Yeah, so this is the original list from the Mountaineers from 1960. So, you know, it's 55 years old now, 56 years old. And so, of course, it has undergone some revisions over the years. And not only have the Mountaineers revised their 10 Essentials list, but other people have come along with other approaches to this concept of backpacking essentials. So as you look around, you'll actually find quite a few different lists. And that's fine because they all kind of drill into the same essential things that these items need to do for you. And that's what matters. So when Josh and I were first married and we first started having children, I think the very first family rule that he instituted, nobody touch my 10 essentials. Like that was even before no climbing on the sofa, no throwing food at dinner time. He really felt strongly about his 10 essentials because it was his way of when we went out together as a family on hikes of taking care of our family and protecting us. So he's always been very protective of his 10 essentials. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. In the uncertainty of life, I've always had this certainty that I could pull out my 10 essentials kit at a moment's notice and take it on a hike. And the matchbox would not be empty because no one had touched the matchbox since the last time I went on a hike. The knife would be sharp and the batteries in the headlamp would be fresh. 
So as I look through the uh, the classic list from the Mountaineers, um, there's a couple of things that I am usually missing in my 10 Essentials kit. Sunscreen and sunglasses. You're too see. cool for sunglasses. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a few things that really depend on the trip, uh, like the map. Obviously, it has to be a map of where I'm actually going. And extra clothing and extra food are also going to be kind of tailored to the particular trip that I'm taking. But what it comes down to is I have this kit that I keep all of my small stuff in. And in that kit, I mostly have essentials. But I guess I have a few other things, too. So in addition to the knife, compass, emergency blanket, and so on, I have insect repellent, I have soap, I have a toothbrush, and I have toilet paper. I have some cord or, you know, small rope that I can use for various projects. I have a little camp towel. And because I'm extremely nearsighted, I always have a pair of glasses, contact lens solution, and a contact case. So how about you? What do you have in your little kit? Well, there are some gaps in my kit as well. I don't carry a compass. I typically just carry a map of where we're going, and I'll put that like in a little Ziploc bag or... Uh, purchase a map that's waterproof. I also don't carry sunglasses, but I do carry some sunscreen. I've kind of figured out that if I wear long sleeve shirts, that actually protects really well and somewhat decreases the need for sunscreen. I still keep it in there so I don't get a red nose. Oh, I forgot to mention I have some duct tape in my little kit. How about you? Yeah, I have two forms of tape in my 10 essentials. I have some Gorilla tape that's wrapped around a little Bic lighter, and then I also have some Tenacious tape in a little plastic case. Also in my 10 essentials, I do have some non-essential items. I do keep my toothbrush in there. I keep some lotion in there. And I'm also a big fan of the Burt's Bees lip balm. And I don't leave home without it. And I figure that's like not only lip balm, but also like a fire starter. So it's a dual dual purpose. purpose. (laughs) I also carry some soap and dental floss. And then something that I found at the dollar store, I don't know, about a year ago, I thought would be the perfect thing to bring on a backpacking trip. It's this little tiny container of Dentec Temperin Max, and it's for repairing lost fillings and loose caps. And I thought dental emergencies in everyday life are such a pain. And imagine being in a remote location and having some kind of dental emergency. And so this, I don't know, I don't know what it weighs. It says it's net weight 1.1 grams, super lightweight. It comes in this nice little purple container and it lasts for a long time. Like it's just putty and uh, super simple to use. So I keep that in my 10 essentials also. And then, like you said, there are some 10 essential items that I don't keep in my little bag here. I keep them in my pack. So the extra clothing, the extra food, those aren't going to fit in this tiny little bag. I see something else in there. A pair of dice? I do keep a pair of dice in there. I'm not a gambling woman, but it's about one of the lightest things that you can carry that's just so fun. I mean, there are lots of dice games. I don't know the grams on these, but lighter than a deck of cards. They're waterproof hours of fun with a pair of dice. I also keep some cord and some ibuprofen and some cotton puffs. This is kind of like uh, rummaging through a woman's purse. (laughs) I mean, there's some really important things in there. And then there's some dice and some lip balm and a few other random things. There's hair ties in there, too, because those are multipurpose. You can do all sorts of things with hair ties. True. 
Like oh, what? are you waiting for me to list <laughs> off all the things you can do? Okay, so you can tie up gear with a hair tie, which is what I've done with my little garbage bag here. I just have a hair tie wrapped around oh, it. Yeah. You can... It's good for keeping hair out of your face. <laughs> I've never really had to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, hair ties, they're like rubber bands that don't wear out, right? Yeah. So that's cool. And the 10 essentials is one of those things where you don't want to just rely on the person that you're backpacking with to carry all the 10 essentials. Everyone needs to have their own 10 essentials. You know, it's not that way with stoves or a tent. Usually you can kind of share those things. But the 10 essentials, they're essential for you to carry. And that includes if you're backpacking with children. You need to make sure that they have age-appropriate 10 essentials. And we covered that in episode number 9. So you can find that on thefirst40miles.com slash 009. So we'll probably be covering this topic some more in future episodes. There's just a lot that can be said about the essentials. One of the things we'll talk about in a future episode is the different approaches that others have taken to uh, kind of categorize the essentials so it's a little easier to remember their purpose rather than memorizing a list of 10 things. For today's top five list, we are sending our first 40 milers out to the Salmon River. We backpacked the Salmon River near Mount Hood in Oregon last month. And while we were out there, we were sitting on this beautiful knoll overlooking the canyon and, and watching the Salmon River way down below us. And we thought, ah, oh, what a perfect time to record a top five list. Here it goes. Well, Josh and I are out here on the Salmon River Trail today. We got a good dumping of rain, but we're really glad that we came out here. So for today's top five list, we wanted to do the top five things that we have loved about this trip. We're sitting on the edge, I don't know, the edge of a cliff, <laughs> looking down on the Salmon River. It's great. We just have our feet kind of dangling over the cliff. The cliff has some nice soft moss on it that's been heated up just a little bit by the sun this morning. A thousand feet below us is the Salmon River. We can see one of the rapids from here. And then stretched out in front of us is probably thousands of acres of old growth forest. And then uh, some nice, what do you call them, rock outcroppings? Yeah, you can see where the, it probably was like a wall of rock at one time, you know, in eons past. And the river has cut down through that rock. And so you can see an outcropping on both sides of the canyon. Well, that was number one. That was number one <laughs> on our top five list. The number one thing that we loved and that we're still loving about this trip is the view of the forest. And one of the things that's been really cool is the fog that's come through. We've been able to see really low clouds. And then there was even a point where the fog totally socked in the entire canyon and you couldn't see anything. It was amazing. And then minutes later, it completely cleared. It was really dramatic. The Salmon River is in a protected wilderness area that was uh, protected back with the Wilderness Act in the 1960s. So everything that we're looking at around us is old growth, original forest. Well, the number two thing that we have loved about this trip is the downtime. This has been a really slow-paced trip, and that's been really enjoyable. We hit the trail in the early afternoon yesterday and hiked for, well, we covered about four miles. I'm guessing we did like two and a half hours of hiking. And it was nice because we found our campsite at about 3.30, and that gave us about two hours before dark. And that was pretty important because it was raining yesterday, and so we really needed to be able to do a good setup on our camp 
to make sure that we would stay dry for the rest of the evening and through the night. So it was really nice to have that time. And then, yeah, this morning, cooking donuts. Well, the number three thing that we have loved about this trip has been that it's, it's our anniversary trip. So we added a couple extra special things to this trip that made it more special than the average backpacking trip. I brought doilies because that's how you make meals special. <laughs> <laughs> well, what made it special for you? Well, on the top five list in episode 65, in addition to doilies, you also mentioned another great thing to do, and that was to bring some special food. So I really enjoyed that you went to the store and bought how many, like five different kinds of cheese? Yeah, they had this little tiny section, this little basket, um, where the cheese was all wrapped up really small and it was all under $5 a wedge. So yeah, they were all crazy cheeses, like some... Some that were wrapped in vegetable ash and were like goat cheese mixed with some crazy stuff, truffles. and Yeah, so we've had some cheeses from all over the world in the last 24 hours. I really enjoyed that. The number four thing that we have loved about this trip has been the, I'm just going to say 1950s style division of labor. Like when we got to camp, it was wet. It was cold and wet. And we were cold and wet, and Josh got started putting up the tarp that went over our tent so we could have kind of a living room area outside of our tent. And then I helped a little bit with the tent, but mostly I was putting things in the tent and getting our mattresses blown up and getting the sleeping bags set up and organizing our gear. I just thought it was so funny that it was a classic division of labor. It was how it worked out, and it was so great. Yeah, I really enjoyed the challenge of engineering our tarp setup, figuring out the different trees that I was going to use to stretch it out. And as soon as I got the tarp up, you were under that tarp. And then all of a sudden, it's like you came alive again. And I'm like, oh, great, we get to blow up our air mattresses. Woohoo. And you're like, but I love this part. I know. <laughs> and so you took care of, you know, furnishing the house after I built it. <laughs> so cliche, but it works for us. <laughs> Well, the number five thing that we have loved about this trip was just that we were able to get out. We're in the middle of winter, and when you go backpacking in the winter, you know, often you have to make some concessions. You have to pack more weight because you're packing more clothing. You're usually packing more shelter. We did that on this trip. Maybe more food because you need to stay warmer. And it's not as comfortable as it is in the summer. You're always bundled up. You feel a little claustrophobic sometimes. It gets dark early, so you're packing extra lighting. And then you're kind of limited on what trails you can pick. So you've got to pick a low elevation trail where you know it's not going to be snowed in. At least for us, we don't have the snow gear. So we needed to stay low elevation. And yet in spite of all of those limitations and concessions that you have to make, I've still just loved being out here yesterday and today. It's something about that challenge. And then not only the challenge, but just the reward is still there. Just sitting on the edge of this uh, cliff here and just looking across the canyon, the beauty and the peace that we feel out here and the time that we have to spend together, it's just as rewarding in the winter time. And I guess it's extra special in the winter because I guess you don't take it for granted for one thing. You realize the effort that it took to get out here and 
it's really nice to be out here in February. I agree. It's been a great trip. Well, that was a fun trip. It was great to get out even in the wintertime. And I hope everyone listening had fun tagging along with us on the trail. A few people did call us out and say, hey, that doesn't look like a winter backpacking trip. Well, I have to say it was cold, it was rainy, and yeah, there was no snow. It was a northwest winter backpacking trip, not a east coast backpacking trip. Yeah, and on Facebook and Twitter, I posted a picture that I took during a moment of sunbreak on the trip (laughs) on Saturday morning. Uh, But it rained all day Friday, and it started raining again on our way back out to the car on Saturday. So it was just that moment that had a little bit of sun breaking through, and it looked lovely. Um, I probably need to find some rain pictures and post those (laughs) as well. For today's Summit Gear Review, we will be reviewing the Life Straw Go. The ads for the original Life Straw show a rugged man leaning down next to a pool of water and satisfying his thirst there. Nobody drinks like that. The image is iconic. It's great. It's the one that you associate with Life Straw. Then it tells a story that helps people instantly understand the properties of Life Straw. But they've come up with something that's a lot easier to use, that uses the technology and the simplicity of Life Straw, but combines it with a really convenient water bottle so you don't need to kneel next to a marshy creek bed every time you want a sip of water. We actually took some Life Straws out on our Redwoods trip, and the kids used them... This is the original Life Straw. The kids used them just by filling up their water bottle with water and then dipping their Life Straw in their water bottle which ended up being fine, but this is much more convenient. The Life Straw Go is just a lot easier to use. We did get a picture of one of our kids using his Life Straw, actually bending down into the creek (laughs) on the side of the trail. It makes for a cool shot, but yeah, it is not exactly convenient. If you look at Life Straw's uh, Facebook or Twitter feeds, you'll see a constant stream of pictures of people doing these amazing poses to get their face down to the water to use their (laughs) Life Straw. Like you said, really cool, really iconic. It really paints the image of how a Life Straw can be used anywhere. But yeah, the product we're going to review today brings it back to, I think, a, a level of convenience that's really helpful. The Life Straw Go is made up of three parts. It's just a lid, a water filter, and a bottle. The bottle is 22 ounces and it's a hard-sided water bottle. The filter is replaceable. It uses a microfiltration membrane that removes 99.9999% of bacteria and 99.9% of protozoan cysts. It filters down to 0.2 microns and the drinking part is a flip-top bite valve, and you don't have to bite it in order for you to be able to get water out of it. It just basically flips up and you can start drinking out of it. The Life Straw Go comes with a carabiner for attaching to your backpack, which is easily removable, and that was the first thing I took off of it. The bottle is BPA-free and contains no chemicals, and it meets U.S. EPA drinking water standards. I really view the Life Straw Go as another great option for idiot-proof water treatment. You don't pump, you don't have to hang anything, you just fill up your bottle and put the lid on, and you have instant clean water. So after you fill up your water bottle, you're just drinking through the straw as you drink out of the bottle. And it makes sense to fill up your water at a good water source. Try and find the cleanest water that you can. just makes your filter last longer. 
That reminds me, the other kind of weird thing about the original Life Straw is that you have to kind of accept the idea that your being thirsty is going to coincide with your being next to a water source because you just pull out the straw and start drinking through it. You don't actually collect water to use later. So another advantage of the Life Straw Go is that you're going to fill up the water bottle when you're actually at a water source, and then you're going to be able to drink from that bottle while you're hiking through the parched, dry switchback area of your hike. For mass, right out of the package, the Life Straw Go weighs 7.1 ounces, not the 5.9 ounces that they claim on the website. You can reduce the weight by removing the carry strap with the carabiner and the D-ring. So now, instead of weighing 7.1 ounces, it weighs 6.6 ounces. And if you want to break things down even more, the lid and the filter weigh 3.1 ounces, and the bottle alone weighs 3.4 ounces. It only holds 22 ounces, or 0.65 liters, which isn't really a lot. But fortunately, the lid has the exact same threading as a Nalgene quart bottle, so you can switch out the lid and the filter and stick it on your Nalgene. Maintenance on the Lifestar Go is really simple. Before you refill your water each time, you're just going to want to blow into the mouthpiece to remove the dirty water that's in the filter. So you can just make that a habit. Every time you scoop up fresh stream water, just blow out all the dirty water from the filter. This filter requires no electrical power or batteries, and it lasts for over 1,000 liters. Now, one of the downsides of using a filter like this is that it can't be frozen or it will possibly crack the membrane. And there are other filters that have the same issue. If you're going to be camping or backpacking in sub-freezing temperatures, you should bring along a gallon zip-top bag and then remove the filter at night and put it in the zip-top bag and then just sleep with it in your sleeping bag because that's probably the best way to keep it warm. For investment, the LifeStraw Go costs $30. And just so you know, uh, LifeStraw has what they call the Follow the Leaders program. It took me a while to get that. <laughs> Follow the Leaders, yes. <laughs> So for every life straw filter that is sold, a child in Africa receives an entire year of clean drinking water at school. So the first time I used the Life Straw Go, I didn't really think about what my first sip of water was going to taste like. I just started drinking. So I'm going to save you the trouble. Don't drink the first few sips the very first time you use the Life Straw. Spit out the first few sips. Then you're good to go after that. I think it's just kind of cleaning out the... I don't know what it's cleaning out because it's a filter, but you know, you just kind of want to maybe prime the pump. We'll, we'll call it that. Yeah, it must be some, I guess, the, the residue of production or something. I mean, they say Possibly. it's chemical free, but just the, the fibers of the filter and stuff like that, that the, the first few sips of water just kind of flush that out. Another thing you should probably know about the Life Straw Go is that it's strictly for drinking. And... This won't make sense until you're cooking dinner and you're like, well, I need two cups of water to rehydrate my meal. And you'll look at your Life Straw Go and realize that the only way to get water out of that is by sucking it out and drinking it out. So there's no way to pour it out or squeeze it out. You can only drink the water in this filter. The vapor microfilter is a, a very similar filter. You know, it uses the similar idea 
to the Life Straw Go where you sip through it. Um, however, the vapor microfilter comes with a soft-sided water bottle. And so what that means is if you need some water out of it that you're not drinking out, then you can squeeze the water bottle to push the water out through the vapor microfilter. So if that sounds like a better fit, check out episode number 31 where we reviewed the vapor microfilter. That's the first 40 milescom slash 031. The Sawyer Mini also has an option where you can squeeze water out, and that's a very lightweight option as well. The water filter that's used in the Life Straw Go is designed a little bit differently than the original Life Straw. It has openings all up and down the side of the straw, so it takes in water through the sides and not just through the bottom. So that made us wonder if I can use this filter inside of the Life Straw Go water bottle setup, can I take it out and use it like an original Life Straw? So we did a little experimenting with that, and what we discovered is if you first get the entire straw wet, then indeed you can stick just the very end of the straw into a water source and sip water through it. And when you get the entire straw wet, don't get the part wet that your lips are going to be touching. <laughs> uh, yeah, good point. <laughs> Life Straw is made by a company in Switzerland, and they specialize in disease control products for developing countries. It's a solid company. It's Vestergaard, and they really support water initiatives throughout the world. So the Life Straw Go is simple to use, simple to maintain. It won't be the end-all solution for all your water needs on the trail, but certainly it's an awesome option. For today's backpack hack of the week, the seatless strap chair. And I promise you have not seen anything like this. It's really unique. It's really unique. Yeah, as opposed to things that are slightly unique. This is slightly are... unique. <laughs> Mostly like everything else, which is a little bit different. This is like a chair, except it has no seat and no back and no legs. Oh, it does have like a little strap on the back. Anyway, hiking is great, but what happens when you're ready for some not hiking? That means it might be time to do some sitting. And there are lots of great sitting options on the trail. You can usually find the ground, a rock, a tree stump, but we're going to give you one more option. And this is a seatless strap chair. This chair has no seat. You simply sit on the ground with your legs crossed and you bring this strap around you so that your legs and back are all leaning against this strap. Let me explain how to make it. You take six to seven feet of webbing and you can find this at your local hardware store. They'll cut it for you by the foot. And you'll wanna get some nice wide webbing so it doesn't dig into your back. Now there's the easy way to make this, and then there's the more advanced way. So let me explain the easy way, then we can share the, the more advanced way. So you'll want to take the six to seven feet of webbing and take the two ends and tie them together in a really solid knot. So you basically have this big loop, and it's not adjustable. So the more advanced option makes it a little bit more adjustable. You'll want to get a 1.5 inch cam buckle. I think a lot of people don't know what a cam buckle is because I didn't know what it was until I went to Ace Hardware and they showed me what a cam buckle was. Yeah, I'm trying to envision a cam buckle in my head and I don't know if what I'm envisioning is what it actually is. It's like a belt but when you close the latch on the cam buckle, it makes it so the webbing doesn't slip. 
So you can adjust the size of the loop that you've made with the cam buckle. And then once you flip that little latch, it secures it really well. So it's a kind of buckle that you might find on certain belts. Not the traditional belt buckle where there's a thing that pokes through the right the belt. Instead, it's something that sort of clamps down on the belt and keeps it from slipping. Right. This project ends up being around $5 a chair, and that's if you include the cam buckle as well. So it's a pretty inexpensive project. And the reason why this chair works is because when you're sitting down, when you need a break, it's usually not your rear end that's tired. It's your back that's tired. And so this chair gives your back something to lean up against and gives your legs a chance to rest, your back can rest, and you can even kind of use it as a rocking chair because you have your rear end that you can pivot on. It's kind of cool. We weren't the one that came up with this idea, so we are going to include the link so you can see what someone else has done, and then you can make your own version of this chair. There are all sorts of things that you can do to modify this idea. And if you're looking for like a full-on camp chair, the Crazy Creek Hex 2.0 is really our favorite, and we bring it on a lot of our trips. We reviewed the Crazy Creek Hex 2.0 camp chair in episode 27. So you can find that at thefirst40miles.com slash 027. But if you want this really inexpensive, super lightweight and simple hack, then check out today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 069. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Charles DeLint. He said, I do believe in an everyday sort of magic, the inexplicable connectedness we sometimes experience with places, people, works of art, and the like, the eerie appropriateness of moments of synchronicity, the whispered voice, the hidden presence, when we think we're alone. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, follow us on Facebook and Twitter or check out our new book on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. <laughs> okay, top five list. We're sitting here at the Shaman River and having a great time. And bubbly, bubbly water. The water filter that's used in the Life Straw grow, grow. <laughs> yeah, glow, glow, go, grow. Perfect. Okay, I forgot to put in the joke. Why did the backpacker keep a racket and a tennis ball in his pack? He wanted to bring his tennis essentials. That's not even going in outtakes. That was pitiful. <laughs>